it is. I want oh. some coffee. Oh, my God. Where's my coffee? You sound my horrible. My voice is not awake. End of the season. <laughs> Just play the music. Oh, my God. I'll whisper. Like the... Holy crap. Uh. He's crawling to the finish line. <laughs> Welcome to Show Center. I, I have it written here because I, I didn't want to forget the name of the show. Welcome to Show Center. I'm Matt Jolly. Joining me as always, my colleagues. You already forgot the other part of the name. <laughs> That's right. My colleagues uh, in the air show world as air show announcers. The one and only Rob Ryder and Rick Peterson. Good morning, guys. Good, Good morning. morning. Now, my voice is very tired. Sorry about that. It's early. I slept later than I've slept in two weeks this morning. Well, so, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. You need to be up early like you're normally up early. Calling us. Well, I, that's right. Pensacola was uh, was fraught with weather difficulties the first two days. The rehearsal day, it rained like hell, and I was uh, was soaked from the waist down. Friday rehearsal and then into an afternoon and into the evening showing fireworks we all froze to death out there and this finally the weather got this is florida the panhandle this is this is pensacola fortunately saturday was good and they had a freaking huge crowd biggest anybody has ever seen there well, so that's because everybody good. came on one day <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly hey well it's cold we're not going to that show that's right Tomorrow oh, looks pretty good. Let's pile them in the, the VW microbus and get over there. Well, let's just get did. into it. What do you say we get <clears> into <throat> a little prop wash? This Because there's a lot of news, including Pensacola yes. and all in of the, the honorees. Yep. Rob Holland becomes honorary Blue Angel. It's in the prop watch. Uh, and prop that, watch. Was, <laughs> that was a big deal. They brought him in. They called him in after... Uh, the the photo flight that they did, which was spectacular, by the way, yes, uh, called him in and he didn't know why they were calling him. And he thought maybe there was going to be some kind of critique. And we um, Wayne Boggs and I, as honoraries, were able to be in the briefing room, in the ready room with the guys. And he uh, was flabbergasted. He has not yet processed it quite. It was and, pretty cool. And he has he earned it. And he really earned it. Uh, yep. Matt Chapman retired, uh, getting closer to knowing when the Snowbirds resume operations. A bit of an update. And the Canadian duo, Northern Stars, Brent Handy and Todd Farrell, have decided that uh, they're going to go together, and uh, they've announced that leading into the convention. So there's some of our listener feedback coming up, too, or what we I think we should call backfire. Mm. And, uh, and then, of course, we're also going to be joined shortly by assistant director of Midway, the movie, my niece-in-law, my wife's niece. Does that make her my niece-in-law? I don't know. That sounds, sounds good. Yeah, that sounds Beth and Paul, it is good. It sounds legal. Yeah. All right, oh, it cool. does. We don't want to keep her waiting. No, she's as a matter of fact, we should jump right into that. She's, I guess. A, well, before, she's a big deal. But, but before we do, there was one other honorary named this past weekend on Saturday night at the Blue Angels gathering as a new honorary and blew us all out of the water. I did not see it coming, but well-deserved as well. Rudy Malnati from the Chicago oh, Air and Mr. Water Chicago. Show. Chicago, yeah. Yes, sir. And uh, they brought uh, boss uh, Boss Doyle brought him up, and everybody was thrilled because Rudy um, Rudy owns a place in our hearts in this business that yes, uh, that, that he he owns Chicago, does he not? Yes, yes, he does, and and a very special place in our hearts in that he's never hired any of us. Yeah, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say anything because. <laughs> <laughs> if Rudy owns Chicago, you know, I'd love to. Right. Yeah. You know, I was doing so, you know, my other show, History Worth Saving, uh, I was doing I was doing some research and I thought, well, Chicago deep dish pizza. I mean, there's there's nothing more American than a Chicago deep dish pizza. You know who invented it? Rudy's uncle invented it. The guy he's <laughs> no, named after. Kidding. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. His uncle uh, named it uh, or 
created it. So anyway, yeah. There was a time, there was a time when I was a big fella or bigger fella. I would uh, never, when I came through Chicago, I would always at O'Hare, you could get a deep dish frozen pizza and it was in a, put in a styrofoam package that would last till you got home to put it in the fridge. And I would always, and I'd even go outside of security to get that, go back through security with it and get back on my flight for my connection whenever I could. That's how much I like deep dish pizza in Chicago. It's lovely. Well, if, you no still like your, uh, if you still like your niece, we better call her. Well, yeah, we better get her on the phone. I'm dialing uh, her right now. Way, good news is you dial her uh, midway, and it, the movie can't get a break in reviews, which is just troublesome to me. But um, even the New York Times reporting today that uh, it was the unexpected winner at the box office this weekend. Well, maybe to some. Uh, swooping in to the lead as the horror movie that had seemed poised to take the top spot, Dr. Sleep instead took a snooze, says the New York Times. <laughs> but it opened to an estimated $17.5 million in domestic ticket sales. And before the weekend is done, I think they'll be announcing about $2.6 million more in sales during the Veterans Day holiday on Monday there. And remember and stay here. And uh, anything that I've been seeing along the lines of reviews from some of my friends have been outstanding. And that's uh, and I'm sticking to that no matter what, because uh, this is blood, of course. My niece-in-law, my wife's niece, Bethan, is she with us? Yes, okay. I can. Okay, your Uncle Rick Excellent. is here. He's very upset. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the movie, Bethan, and what, what your role in all of this was. Because I, I think it's great that uh, we were able well, to let, get you Well, let me do a proper introduction. No, Gee. I'm not going to. We're not yeah. gonna, We're all out of time. <laughs> the assistant director of X-Men and a whole list of other movies. First assistant director on Midway, the movie, my niece-in-law, my wife's niece. Uh, I got that right, by the way? Yeah. Technical. Yeah. Uh, Bethan Lord. Just, All right. Well, now that we've gotten Bethan, that out of the way, Bethan. Bethan, does that mean that Rick is your uncle-in-law? That does. That does. Oh. <laughs> I don't see that on any resumes. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, well, tell us about the movie. What was it like to work on on this on this picture? I mean, it it had to have been a lot of fun, I would imagine. Well, it's it's a fun. It was it was fun. It was a big challenge because we had a, a short a short schedule. Shorter than what uh, we would normally have had. It was only a 65-day shoot schedule, and um, but it was a huge. Uh, we learned so much, and I just learned so much. I, to be quite honest, I had never heard of the Battle of Midway, and um, a lot of people I know had never really heard of it. Like we whispers of it, but nothing in terms of what the, the impact of what the Battle of Midway was really about. And it, it really did change the course, I believe, of history during World War II. I mean, I've always learned about the European side. I'd never really heard about the Pacific side of what had happened. So um, that was huge. And just in terms of, you know, what the Americans did, what these guys did, my God. And we got to, to, to play in some of the B-25 bombers. And, you know, when you get in there physically and you see what the, the, the space that they're playing with, you think, Holy cow. And when you think about they're flying across the ocean, basically in a, a glass bubble with nothing else. And you think this is unbelievable. It really is compared to today. So I have to should point out Beth and that Beth and is Canadian and, uh, and, and some of the history of course, and of a, of a generation, but also someone who has served, uh, you have, you've uh, yep. served in the military as well. 
and uh, that this education yep. process that you went through is something that's changed your life, hasn't it? Well, it has because I really, really, I mean, I'm I I was armored, so I didn't know a lot about airports, and uh, this gave me an opportunity to just see it up close and to really see what what they were dealing with. I mean, it was raw. They, it, you know, again, it was it was basically their planes, their wool outfits, and them, and that's it. And it was just it's you just think, God, they were tough, and God, it was you know they did what they could with what they had, and that is pretty incredible because it's, they, they really did an incredible amount. And just the, the I can't even imagine like dive bombing in real life. <laughs> it's crazy when you think about it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's crazy. And just when you think about what Rochefort's, you know, code breakers did and, and, what, and how that all happened and you just think, wow. So he got a bunch of old musicians together. Well, not old, I shouldn't say that, but some musicians together. And they're the ones that, you know, broke that code and figured out what the Japanese were doing. And the other thing I didn't, I was a little naive to was the Japanese and just how extremely proud they are. Because even just working on set with the Japanese actors versus the American actors or the American British actors, and just the way that we had Japanese consultants, we had American consultants, and just the, the, the way that they are, you know, on set and also just in the scenes is, is two different things. Like the, 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 the Japanese always, they, they always stand extremely proud and I'm not saying the Americans don't, but I'm just saying just generally that they, they're always, you know, in a standing straight, just when they salute, when they do the bow, that is extremely, extremely precise. And, you know, it's a 30, a 30%, um, uh, um, bow that they do. And it just, it's, the Japanese are pretty incredible for that too. And the, the pride that they had, even when they were defeated, was, wow. It's quite the battle. Yeah, and uh, from the Warbird point of view, Matt, I know you have, there's been so many questions and some criticisms, too, about um, the reality and what they face. Bring up some of that right, stuff. Right, throw Matt. me under the I'm bus. Sure no. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Rick. Yeah. No, but I, I I don't think you're ever going to keep those guys happy. And I mean, they, they, you know, there's a lot of critics out there that say, well, you know, the, the this and the that's not quite right. But talk to us about about the process for doing this, because it, it you you did. You had quite a few real aircraft there on set, uh, which which was no small feat to get to make that happen. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. Well, the one real one was the B-25. And I have to say one other thing that I learned a lot about doing this was so we had many historical consultants. And it would happen where they would have uh, different ideas and different views and different statistics in terms of what happened. And then what do you do? Because, you know, these are the people you're turning to. They're not super deferring, but I'm just saying that sometimes you'd be like, well, you know, even just little basic things. And you'd say, okay, well, uh, John over there told us that that isn't quite what would happen. And you're telling us that this would happen. So we're just, so that's where you have to take, uh, you know, you have to take the, you just decide basically, okay, well, I'm just going to go with whichever one I have. Well, one thing, I mean, one thing that did help me on set, because what I do is basically run the set. I run all the extras, I run the sets, I run the camera department. Like, I just, I make sure that the, the machine is rolling. And one thing that did help me was my, my army experience, because, you know, when we were shooting those, um, uh, the scenes in, uh, in Hawaii, we did all the, the exterior Pearl Harbor scenes. Um, I knew exactly like what they, I knew what these guys were going to be, what, what their what their uh, reactions would be. I knew what they were what 
I just, it was great because I knew how, how to talk to them and how to get them to do what we wanted to do. And that was, uh, it was also great that we had the Navy on board and that we were able to get, we had Marines, real Marines, we had real Navy guys. So that helped a lot. But for me to, the, the decisions, you know, inevitably all the artistic decisions Roland would make with the help of the historian. And <clears throat> we just, um, we just, I don't know, we just, we just, we make sure we just talk together and we just make sure that it seemed logical what we were doing too from a military perspective you're sort of the super exec or the uh, the chief of staff in this role i think that's uh, that's pretty yeah. interesting and cgi there's been criticisms of how much cgi there was in the film can you could you even imagine this film being made without cgi bethan you couldn't you, you couldn't you couldn't even just for liability reasons you just can't do that anymore it would not happen. I mean, it's just, you know, um, other movies have tried to do it in the last couple of years, and it, and they've succeeded to a certain extent, but uh, we could never have done, any, I'd say, probably 95% of what we did. And the other thing is, you know, it, comes down, it also comes down to cost, and it also comes, it comes down to safety. It comes down to, uh, you know, you don't, want to, you don't want to hurt the look of the movie, but on the other hand, also, to, you know, is it really worth to do all that free flying? Is it worth it? Are you going to tell that much of a difference? Beth, so, I would be, uh, I, when I when you mentioned you had a 65-day shooting schedule, uh, I was astounded at that, for one, because of all, you ha- all the movement of people and equipment that you had to go through. But then, uh, in terms of post-production, when the CGI took place, I'm assuming that's close to a year of work on that. Would that be yeah. correct? Well, yeah, less that- than a year, because we finished in December of last year, shooting. So I think they delivered that movie. <clears throat> they probably delivered it in July or August. August for for final touch-ups. Wow! So that's the, and and the idea and the challenge for you and the director to take what basically is about six months worth of history and jam it into a two-hour movie. Uh, those sorts of uh, challenges, especially when Matt. And Rick and I hear this all the time when we say something about an airplane and somebody corrects us. The, that, <laughs> the balance that you guys had to maintain was, uh, was pretty amazing. And thank you for doing that because this is a story, like you said, you didn't know that a lot of people don't know. And it did change the course of the war in the Pacific. It, it so changed the course of the planet. I mean, imagine if the Japanese had won. Yeah. Hmm. You know. It's, and and you know it's it's uh, this is every struggle that I, I'm doing a, another movie right now a true story and this is a struggle that every movie maker goes through is trying to put all that time into two hours. It always is. Well, I think no, that you're no I think you're really onto something though. I I really think you're onto something, Beth. And I think for the the expanded content on the DVD, what you ought to have uh, on your next uh, the next time you do a war movie like this is just put all those historians in one room and film them. And then toss in, <laughs> toss in questions, and just just let them go to the let them go to the mattresses. You know, I mean, it'll 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 be way better entertainment for the the expanded content. So I should send you all and, the historians' notes after they read the script. 
<laughs> right. Yes. No. I get only, a, get only a mix. Yeah. Send, send us some photocopies. Scratch Mitchell, uh, one of our air show buddies, <laughs> former Snowbird lead, former CF-18 demo pilot, former Patriot jet pilot, now in the movies himself. Fancies himself a bit of an actor, by the way. I'm giving you a warning there. Uh, he he was used as a consultant. What what did Scratch do actually with with some of your cast? Oh, it was he was fantastic because when we were flying doing all the flying sequences, um, he was going into the details of you know the movement, just what your hand would do, what what your you know where you would look, where how you would move your body inside the cockpit, those type of of. Uh, little details that just in the complete reality to, to what you're shooting. So, you know, and he would explain to the actors what it was like to fly, uh, to, to, to fly one of these planes. So he, he just really, he brought it home for them big time. All right. So when we see them reacting to heavy G's as they pull out in the dive bombers and stuff, every one of those grimacing faces is something that, that scratch helped put on. Completely. Them, right? All right. Yep. Yep. No, completely. <laughs> Well, All scratch. right, a quick question, awesome. too. I see, I see even the New York Times is not really giving you that big a break on the film. They say the unexpected winner of the box office this weekend, but you have won the box office. What is it, $17.5 million plus another $2.6 million came in. Is expected to come in before the holiday, which is uh, we're recording on Remembrance Day, Veterans Day, the special broadcast or, or um, podcast. Of that, uh, what is that, $1.17, almost four million dollars what's your cut <laughs> <laughs> this cut interview to the chase. right way to go rick <laughs> oh, this interview. This interview. Oh, oh man <laughs> i'm very sorry bethan <laughs> more of <horribly> sorry <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll send you i'll tell you what bethan uh, it, it's not this interview it's a free hot dog at friendly jerry's Hot dogs, in, in, yeah, and our sponsor in Hell's Kitchen, New York. So go see Friendly Jerry. Ask him for the Big Rick. I will. <laughs> okay, I will. Right. Yeah. Beth, I, I know. I know you've got an observance, a Remembrance Day uh, service to go to for eleven o'clock. We're not going to keep you much longer, but thank you very much, and thanks for, you know, being part of a crew that took such care with trying to tell this story so that we all know it. Thank well, you, Beth. All right. Thank you so right. much. Beth and Moet, everyone, uh, one of the directors there for uh, the new movie Midway. Uh, Rick, you, you just, just never gave her a break. You know, I, uh, I'll I pay for that later. <laughs> yeah, you will. I hope you do. Well, listen, we have a, we have an all new feature this week, Rob, and uh, I want to get right into it before we have uh, John Melby on. But, uh, but yes. Rick Peterson, our good friend, Rick Peterson, uh, yeah. needed. Yes. Am I introducing this correctly? Needed a little help. Rick. I just I just did the uh, the DVD uh, voiceover for the Santa Cole Air Show in Ooh, Belgium. Nice. And I I like uh, like Scratch Mitchell did for the actors in Midway. I have a coach, and the coach gave me uh, the pronunciations rather than send them phonetically because uh, he he doesn't quite know the spellings in English and stuff, but he knows his Flemish and his Dutch, and he's he's very well spoken. Chris Jansen's is the producer, and he he. He coached me on how to pronounce some of the names. Yeah. Well, we call this little segment Help with Hard Names. 
Pyrrhic first. Uh, Hanno Westdorp is the pilot of the T6. Then you've got uh, Luc Hellings. The Dutch storyteller is called Hans Nordzeek. Then um, Luc Thijs. Uh, Captains Stijn Soenens and Jo Jacobs. Then um, Beauvechain Air Force Base. That's a bit of a trickier one. Uh, Beauvechain, the colibri in English, but the French call it Calliope. Then with the victors you have Manu de Kranen and Luc de Smet. <laughs> then the first of the extra 330s is flown by Stijn de Jager. And he comes from uh, Ghent. Uh, the Hurricane was flown by Bernard von Milders. Um, pilot of the Mustang, Frederik Vormezele. Alpha jet pilot of the French Air Force is called Cesse. 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 And I'm not sure why that is. Peter Kuipers. Peter Kuipers is the pilot of the B-17. Then the Belgian Air Valley champion is uh, Christophe Plutens. Croatian Wings of Storm uh, come from Zadar. And uh, the leader is Darko Belancic. Volkel and Leeuwarden. Volkel and Leeuwarden. And I think that's it. That's it. I love it. That's it. Stop it. I gotta go to it. I got a dental appointment. I think I need a root canal. Oh, man. Golly. Writing, none of these look like they sound at all. It's just oh. a, basically it's the alphabet in many different orders. I'd wake up in cold sweats if I knew that. Were, uh, if I knew I that got were her done, though. I got her done, and there's been no re-record, so <laughs> oh, pretty happy. Oh, my goodness. It took hours to do. Oh, oh my gosh. You want to call John Melby? We finally we finally have a good number for John Melby. As so I'm all right. Let's, uh, let's fine. Yeah, fine. finally, let's give John Melby a ring here and uh, just see. See how he's doing this morning. Well, probably won't, probably won't answer. Par for the Come course on. today. We've almost been doing this for a year now. I'm telling you, and it's no one answers. Good morning. Is this John Melby? John Melby. Uh, no, sir. It's Sean D. Tucker. Thank you so much for calling and having me on the podcast. <laughs> this sounds oh, a lot like Matt Chapman. Funny. <laughs> it, it, it happens to be. You remember my voice. It's been so long. Well, you've been retired yeah, now for that. you know so long, and we've we've almost forgotten. But uh, no, we wanted. It, it, glad you're on. I we thought we were having John Melby on, but uh, turns out it's you. Well, I, I can always hang up and and get to uh, get to the important folk out there on the West Coast. Yeah, we'll get to him here in a minute uh, when it's when it's it, all. It was it was my colleague Matt uh, Matt Jolly who uh, said as we were uh, you know talking about doing the program today and having you on to talk about your retirement this past yeah. weekend that it's funny you know uh you've been retired basically a day and we're hearing from and you and we've never <laughs> <job ball. laughs> yeah and here you are <laughs> you're right you know but to be honest guys i've probably been retired about a year or so because yesterday just couldn't come fast enough it was <laughs> it was it was <laughs> just that light at the end of the tunnel i'm like come on quicker 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 so I'm I'm glad it's here. I'm glad it's over, and and now I can retire to being a an air show pilot has been. Well, I think that's a that's a you know, but it's but here's a whole the, lot uh, better. Yeah, a whole lot better than an air show pilot never was. Boy, we you really lit up the sky for us, dude. Yeah, you really did, and uh, you you got so many people, uh, Matt, uh, interested in aviation with your connection with Embry Riddle. But you know, I. W- to me, when I when I hear your name and, and when I talk to guys like Rob Holland or any of these other uh, performers that are really uh, really doing great things right now, they all say, "Well, you know, it was Matt Chapman who who yeah. I saw flying, and it got me interested in this." So that that's a great legacy if there ever was one. You know, Matt, and and I was asked what I'd like my legacy to be uh, a few months ago at Oshkosh by an interviewer, and and you hit the nail on the head. It's um, 
leaving some positive mark in in young people to, to grow up and, and pursue their dreams. And I know it, it becomes so cliche-ish because we all say it week in and week out at the air shows, but it really is the truth. And I've been fortunate enough the last 13 years with my connection with Embry Riddle to, to be working with uh, some really highly motivated young people, you know, within the university. When I meet them, they're, they're a great group of kids. And, you know, to go to the air shows and show, show, the, show the younger ones that there is a place to, to go to pursue their dreams. And, and quite honestly, uh, you know, now that it's, it's over, I, 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 it's not so much that they go to Embry-Riddle as much as they go somewhere and pursue those dreams. There are a lot of other places. What are you planning to do now with all this time that you, that you have on your hands? Well, I, you know, I was planning on sleeping, but... You guys have these ungodly <laughs> early phone calls to, that I have to answer. Um, but, you know, I, my, my first immediate plan is the last several years, um, you know, I fly for American Airlines. We, we merged with U.S. Airways several years ago. And I live in the Philadelphia area. Uh, so there's, there's now that we're fully merged, Philadelphia is a pilot base. And I live 30 minutes from there. But I've been commuting up to New York with a two-and-a-half to four-hour drive serving three airports, uh, Newark, LaGuardia, and JFK. And Philadelphia, obviously, is one airport. Um, but with the training schedules at American, the way they're, they're awarded, there's no guarantee when you're going to go to training when you're, when you're given a new piece of equipment to train on. So I could never bid anything um, in the fear that it would training would fall during air show season, which I couldn't have. So my first, my first, uh, business is to, uh, change equipment at American. Uh, I've already put the bid in to fly the Airbus in Philadelphia. Um, I'm waiting for that award to be given. And when they send me to training at this point, I don't care. And it's a great feeling, no pressure at all. I go when I go. So that's my first, that's my first line of business. And then finish up my 1941 J3 Cub. Start to start again on my 1946 Euchre Youngman restoration and that's something you can appreciate of, you know, finish up uh, a couple RC model airplane projects that I've got. Uh, I've got a, a huge one-third scale F-86 uh, jet to, that, that's getting finished. I've got a, a big quarter scale CARF T6 model that needs, uh, needs building. Uh, you know, so they're the immediate things in my future. Um, I, I'm going to take the year, I think, to, to sit back. Uh, I'm probably not going to be uh, a fixture of air shows next year. I might, I might go to a couple. Uh, but, but I want to sit back, remove myself from that industry a little bit, and see, see what portions of the business I miss, who I miss, and and see if there is a place for me in the air show industry outside of performing um, low-level aerobatics. Uh, I'd love one day, I think, to uh, to maybe just get hooked up with a, a private collection or a, a, a really nice museum and get checked out to ferry their airplanes to and from shows. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> do flybys at the shows, just... <laughs> Get them, get them. I, I thought for a from. minute there you were going to say you wanted to be an announcer, and yeah. then we would have had to have hung up. <laughs> yeah, 
Can't have any of that. <laughs> I got to tell you, after, Del, after listening to you three guys and and you know Luke, the new up and coming uh, air show announcer, there's uh, I don't have the voice, I don't have the the mind, I don't think quickly enough, um, and and I I know probably by my the end of my first show I'd be asked to to leave before Sunday, so uh, I don't right. think it would that's work. That's absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we can. We're okay. We're safe, you guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. Matt, I would tell you we'd we'd have you back on the show, but you know, really yeah, no, I know, really no reason. Yeah. <laughs> there really is a Before we let you go, though, we got we got to know what it was like to fly with the Blue Angels. They had you in oh, the yeah. four jet, and you got to see what you know how close they fly. Uh, boy, oh boy. Hey, you know, first of all, I didn't realize you guys had a large enough budget for Rick to actually make a long distance call to participate in this. That's great. I don't, they, they call me, <laughs> let's be clear. I put no money into this, Matt. He's call, we're calling him collect. Don't you worry about that, Chapman. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 Matt, because the blue angels talk about the 18 inch wing tip to canopy clearance that exists between these four aircraft. That's the quote from the narration. And you, uh, you had a little bit of a different spin on that. Yes, I do. And, and, you know, what an amazing experience. And, and first things first, uh, I just have to thank the team, Captain Eric Doyle, uh, for the invitation to fly with the team. And of course, Major Jeff Mullins, uh, the slot pilot number four was a gentleman that uh, gave me my ride in the two seater. Uh, those two individuals are, are just phenomenal, as is the entire team. I was made to feel so welcome. Uh, to the point of even being invited to sit in on the on the briefing for their flight and the post uh, flight briefing uh, afterwards, and uh, every man and woman on that team, um, even behind the scenes, is is first class. It was an amazing experience, and I have to say that just interacting with the team before and after my flight was probably 50% of the entire experience in terms of how impressed I was. But, um, yeah, 18 inches. Uh, holy cow. I always thought 18 inches was a lot further than, than, than they seemed to make it. Uh, we did the diamond uh, review, the diamond pass and review. Is that the correct name for it, Rob? It's, it's just the first, the diamond 360. It's the first maneuver when they come in as a tight four ship. The Diamond 360. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Jeff positioned the airplane underneath and slightly to the right of bosses for the maneuver as they get into position. So our canopy is actually more under the uh, left wing of the right pilot. And, and if the canopy wasn't there, I could have put my hand up and laid it flat on the bottom of the right wing or the left wing of the plane above us. And the missile rails of, of left and right wings airplanes were at times, they ne they were never further than 10 inches apart. And at times were as close as three to four inches. It was amazing. Um, truly amazing. And there was a lot of movement. I was surprised at the level of movement between the, the, the four aircraft. We finished that maneuver and, and, and the, the debriefs for comments went on post pass and they said, let's do that one again. <laughs> so I even got to ride through that oh, one boy. twice. Um, <laughs> and, and it was different. There was not as much movement. The guys had settled down. 
Um, and, and there was not as much movement, but it was just as close. One of the most impressive sights I've, I've ever experienced. And, you know, I had my iPhone with me and I was going to videotape, um, so much of the flight. And honestly, I didn't want to give up the, 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 the first hand view. I wanted to take it all in and I just thought, you know what, this is for me. You know, I'm just going to sit back and, and experience the ride. Um, the G forces are, are similar to what I fly in the extra in terms of the actual G, eight, nine Gs. Uh, I pull a nine G corner and I'm in it for a second and a half, two seconds, maybe. Um, when you do eight or nine Gs in an F-18 on the pitch up break, you're in it for a good eight, nine, 10 seconds. And you know, it, it is, it is a workout to, uh, to stay with everybody. It was fun. And I did it. I, I stayed conscious the whole time. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm just glad that you, you had the wherewithal to sort of sit back and, and realize that this was one of those moments in life that uh, you just need to enjoy. And uh, that, that's really great. So congratulations. Matt. Breaking, yeah. Is there any breaking news you want to share with us? Because I know Embry-Riddle owned the airplane. You've, you've had to hand that back to them now. And do we know who's going to fly it in the future, or if anyone? Well, that, that is the $1,000 million dollar question. I, I really don't know. Um, my contract expires December 31st. I flew the airplane home with me yesterday from Pensacola. Um, and then you I hit have, it in the back uh, of your hangar. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> oh, sorry, Matt. Um, it, it's, that's to be decided. I, I know the university has uh, looked at the, the program favorably over the 13 years I've been with them. Uh, they certainly see the value in it. Um, there has been some comments that they don't feel that I am replaceable, uh, which I find very flattering, but uh, I, I disagree with them. I think there are a few very, very worthwhile uh, candidates out there that I have introduced them to that would do not only a, 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 as, as well as I did, but I think reinvent the program and make it something new and, and more exciting uh, for the university and, and would just kill it. Um, I don't know if, if that'll be the direction the university goes in. I think uh, there is a possibility. I, I'm guessing 50-50 that, uh, that they take this opportunity to maybe uh, not continue the program and, and go in other directions with their marketing. I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, I have uh, I have pledged with the university to do everything and anything I can to make a uh, a, a smooth and successful transition with uh, with with whomever they choose. Well, well I, th- I think it's I think you're an all star act, Matt Chapman, and I listen. Well, I seriously hope to see you at a model field. I have a gift to mail you. Actually, the three of us have a gift to mail you. So uh, we'll uh, yeah. we'll get that right in the mail up there to you, but. Uh, we, we, well, wanted I appreciate to, that. we wanted thank to you. say thank you for a, a, a job well done don't, and a great don't career. Don't get too excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get too excited. It's uh, it's going to be one of those one of those floppy hats with your AMA number on it. So uh, we'll be oh, wow, we'll cool. be sure to send it right over there to you with the, <laughs> So all right, now, will you will you, will you send it express mail? Because I really can't wait to have that. Yeah. <laughs> get it right over to you, Matt Chapman. Thanks uh, thanks for the uh, the misdial this morning, and our apologies to John Melby. But uh, enjoy enjoy yourself, Matt. And uh, Rick, Matt, 
and 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 Rob, thank you very much. And uh, I'll I'll miss I'll miss hearing you guys up on the announcer stand week in week out and uh, and enjoying working with you. But uh, it's been it's been a great ride, and 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 uh, I I really enjoyed getting to know everybody, and and uh, hope everyone has safe travels in the future and a successful uh, 2020 season. All right, Thank just. Just know that you will be a welcome guy on any air show stand where I'm working. Yeah, I appreciate where that. Rob's Thank working. you, and I'll probably take you up where, where Rob is working. Yes. <laughs> where Rob is working. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speak for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. That, I get in trouble speaking funny, for other people. <laughs> that's the funniest thing I've heard all morning. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to bed. All right. Take care, Matt Chapman. Everybody. See you, Matt. All, all right. right. That was fun. Glad. Class to, act. He is class a class act. act, isn't he? Though I mean, he's just a. It's just that kind of guy. Well, we're all out of time, guys. We've gone over time. No, no, in fact. we didn't even get the sponsor in. You didn't uh, even. We, yes, yes, we did. Well, we I got creatively, it product yeah. placement. How about that, huh? And Melby, we've left Melby twisting in the wind again, haven't we? Yeah, yet again. I'm so sorry, John. We'll we're gonna, we'll catch up with him at some point, I hope. But you, uh, you know that uh, Mark Sorensen wishes he was John Melby. You know, we, we were yeah. talking yesterday about that. He and the update on anything. the Snowbirds, by the way, just a oh. quick. Thing on yes. the Stokers is they're uh, very close. We should probably find out. Um, I'm hearing my sources anyway saying that maybe within the next week or so we'll have more as right. to uh, what the future is going to look like and, and what went on in Atlanta. And, and uh, we'll see. I'll, we'll we'll keep you up to date here on the podcast. And just so everybody Please knows, do. we're going to be doing some uh, some more frequent shows right now in the off season leading up yes. to the convention. Uh, so stay with us uh, for all your air show news and uh, big news, Rick and Rob. The Pinnacle oh. Award. The Pinnacle Award has been submitted officially. We've been nominated? No. Oh, we, nominated we, we nominated ourselves. We nominated ourselves. <laughs> just just in hopes that we probably won't win. <laughs> because the, you know, let's when, see what happens. That's right. That that uh, new advertising system with the toilet paper roll, I think, is going to win over us. Yeah. But, left, uh, we'll see. left in the ash heap of Las Vegas. That's right. It's going to be fun. So we'll we'll keep everybody up to date as that, as that continues. But uh, thanks for being here, everyone, and we'll see you on the next All one. Right. Yeah. So long, everybody. <laughs> that would be it. That would be it. If we have any more technical issues than this week, just shoot me now. <laughs> <laughs> just going to turn everything off. <laughs> See ya. Just pull the plug out of the wall. All right. <laughs> what was that? That was just a little No more effect. cabbage for Pulling you. The plug. Did you eat duck last night? <laughs> <laughs> no.